Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, right here at ABC TV, the home of the East Bridgewater, what is your team? Community television. What's your team? Your football? Vikings. East Bridgewater Vikings. Vikings. With me, my co-host, the Victorian blonde shell herself, <laughs> Ann Kerrigan. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another special edition of Ghost Chronicles. Next Generation. I don't know. I wanted to. I wanted to. I had two different things I wanted to say in my head. Uh, here we are in our lovely, uh, this lovely fireplace we've had installed in the studio. It's yeah, nice just and for today. Warm. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're uh, we're doing a special show tonight. It's called the Ode to Poe. Ode to Poe. <laughs> Because he's just a poor boy from the Poe family. There you go. Okay, so I had to spit it out. All right. Um, we wanted to do the show last week, but uh, Ron fell ill. I had vertigo. He had vertigo. Just like in that you know, Walter. What that, who was that? Uh, that guy with the what's the heck's his name? The famous horror director. Edgar uh, Edgar Allan Poe. No, that's who. <laughs> no. Who are we talking about? Um. um yeah. See? You're as bad as I know. Yep. What the Russ heck is in it? the other room saying what it is. John Carpenter? No, oh. the, the big round guy. They always had his profile up. Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Thank you. Shouldn't we know that? Given, Vertigo. Given the genre we specialize in. Right. Well, anyways. Yes. Alfred Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Yeah, with the... Uh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I'll tell you a true story, right? Okay. Um, tell me. That was my errors, right? Tell me, Ryan. That was my error. Yes, it was. And uh, I just got married at that time, and Jan and I went to see, St. Jan and I went to see. I wasn't born yet. What was that? The Bates Hotel? Right? Yes. Yeah. So, Psycho. 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 You remember the shower scene? Oh, yeah. Right? Mm hmm Jan could not take a shower alone. Oh, well, that worked out for you. Yeah. <laughs> Except the time we fell out of the shower, took the curtain Oh, come on. Now, I don't want to hear about that. That's Whatever. No. Too much, too much information. Anyway, so we are dedicating our entire show to Poe. Yes, yes. So. Uh, so because we couldn't do it, last week was his birthday, right. January nineteenth, mm -hmm. uh, eighteen oh nine. Hope I, I got remember that, that right. And uh, so we kind of overshot a little bit, but that's okay. So we're going to do a special reading now. Of, I know you're all on the edge of your seats. Yep. Of course, the Raven. The Raven. Right. Right? His most so, famous work. We'll step up to the podium. Uh, and, I can't uh, get my poem. Oh, you Here got it, it is. I got it. Yeah. See, I had it on my lap. I was all prepared. It's hard now. with these fancy gloves on. I took mine off. <laughs> all right. Are we ready? Let her rip, Van Helsing. Wait a minute. The people at, <laughs> people at home. You're Bear with to, us. You're used to him. Bear with him. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Here we go. You start. I'm starting? Yeah, that's what we practice. 
Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, where I, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor,' I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. Only this, and nothing more. Ah, distinctly, I remember. It was bleak in that December. And each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I sought to borrow. From my lost books, sir, ceased of sorrow, sorrow of lost Lenore. For the rare and radiant maiden, whom angels name Lenore, nameless here forevermore. We didn't make one stanza. <laughs> I made it. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before, so that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, that it is, and nothing more." Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, truly forgive, I implore. But the fact is, I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, that I scarce, I was sure I heard you. I hear I open wide the door, darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there wondering, fearing, Doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the darkness gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore. This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore, merely this and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, with my soul within me burning, Soon again I heard the tapping, somewhere louder than before. Surely, I said, surely that is something at my window lattice. Let me see, then, what threat is, and this mystery explore. Let me hot be still for a moment, and this mystery explore. Tis the wind, and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter, when, with many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with mien of lord or lady perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling, by the grave and stern decorum of continents it wore. Through the crest it shone and shaven. Thou, I said, art thou no craven. Ghastly grim and ancient raving, wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name on the night's plutonian shore. Quoteth the raven, nevermore. Much I marveled this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy be bore. 
For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door, bird or beast above the sculptured bust above his chamber door, with such name as nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on the plastered bust, spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing further than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before. On the morrow will he leave me, as my hopes have flown before me. Then the bird said, nevermore. Startled at the stillness broken by reply so aptly spoken, doubtless, said I, what it utters is its only stock and store, caught from some unhappy master whom unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore, till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore of never, never more. But the raven still beguiling all my sad soul into smiling, straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door. Then upon the velvet sinking, I betook myself to linking, fancy unto fancy, thinking this om- what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, gaunt, enormous bird of all yore, meant never croaking, never more. <laughs> this I sat engaged in guessing, but no syllable expressing to the fowl, whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining, on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er, but whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er, she shall press, ah, nevermore. Then methought the air grew denser, perfume from that unsettling censer, unseemly, swung by serpent whose footfalls tinkled, on the tufted floor. Wrench, I cried, thy goth had lent thee. By these angels has thee sent thee. Respite, respite, and nepeth from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh quaff, this kind nepenth, and forget this lost Lenore. Quoteth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, whether tempter sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil. By that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore. Tell his soul with sorrow laden within distant Aden, and shall clasp a saintly maiden whose angel's name Lenore. Clasp a rare and radiant maiden whose angel's name Lenore, quoteth the raven, nevermore. Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked, upstarting. Get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonian shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. 
Take thy beak from out my heart and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still flitting, whatever, still sitting, is still sitting. On the pallid bust of Pallas above my chamber door, and his eyes have all seemingly of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight or er <laughs> him steaming throws his shadow on the floor, and my soul from out that shadow lies floating on the floor. Shall it be lifted? Nevermore. Thank we were God. supposed to say that together. All right, high five there. Yeah, all right. Nice like work, Van Helsing. Wow, you got through all those $5 words. That's awesome. Those aren't even real words. <laughs> they were at one time. Yeah, 1862. Yeah, he went through a couple interesting Whatever. ones in there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. so I think I, I made up a couple of my I, Yeah, I think you did, too. too. <laughs> all right, so I can put this away. So, right. you know, because yeah. how could we have a show about Edgar Allan Poe and not read The Raven? So mm. there you have it. And I, I everybody, wake up. We do, wake up. We do apologize for uh, <laughs> Anne's work, but, you know, I mean. What? 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 Wow. What? All right. So anyway, don't you have something for us? I do. <laughs> I do. I do. And I know you've been uh, waiting. Yes, we do have a cemetery tripping. And naturally, we're going to go to the cemetery where Edgar Allan Poe is buried. So please we are? enjoy. It's yes. in Baltimore. How are we going to get there? Welcome to Cemetery Tripping, where I will feature a different cemetery in each episode that I hope you will seek out and enjoy as much as I do. As an avid taphophile, or lover of tombstones, I spend a lot of time in the local New England area in the beautiful and historic cemeteries we have here. The stones here are like no others, and I have literally thousands of pictures of the intricate and symbolic carvings found on them. You can see my pictures on Facebook by doing a search for Cemetery Tripping. Today, I would like to take you to a cemetery in Baltimore, Maryland, made famous by one of its most infamous residents. Westminster Burying Ground is the final resting place of many of the elite members of Baltimore's community, including James Calhoun, Baltimore's first mayor, James McHenry, signer of the Declaration of Independence, Sam Smith, who served in the American Revolution and the War of 1812, and most notably, Edgar Allan Poe. The cemetery at Fayette and Green Streets dates from 1786, when members of the First Presbyterian Church acquired property on the outskirts of Baltimore, about a mile away from the bustling town of 12,000 people. In 1852, a towering Gothic revival church was built to protect the cemetery from vandals and provide services for the growing population, built on brick pilings that arch over ancient graves and burial vaults, creating a sort of catacombs beneath the structure. In October of 1849, promising writer, poet, and author Edgar Allan Poe was buried here, following his sudden and mysterious death. He was found on the street in a sick and semi-conscious state, wearing unfamiliar clothes. Poe was taken to the church home and infirmary, where he died four days later. He was interred in the old western burying grounds of the First Presbyterian Church. 
Sometime later, a small stone was erected at the plot in the southeastern corner of the cemetery through the efforts of his relative, Nielsen Poe. Because of his subsequent growing literary fame and acclaim following his unfortunate death, in 1865, several leaders and members of the Public School Teachers Association appointed a committee of five, quote, to devise some means best adapted in their judgment to perpetuate the memory of one who has contributed so largely to American literature, unquote. A new larger monument was erected and the body of Poe exhumed and moved to the more prominent site near the cemetery entrance gate in November 1875. Annual observances on his birth and death dates at his graveside are still conducted to this day, and for over seven decades, a mysterious man known only as the Poe Toaster would appear on Poe's birthday to pay an annual tribute. The shadowy figure, dressed in black, with a wide-brimmed hat and white scarf, would pour himself a glass of cognac and raise a toast to Poe's memory, then vanish into the night, leaving three roses in a distinctive arrangement and the unfinished bottle of cognac. The roses were believed to represent Poe, his wife Virginia, and his mother-in-law Maria Clem, all three of whom were originally interred at the site. Onlookers gathered annually in hopes of glimpsing the elusive toaster, who did not seek publicity and was rarely seen or photographed. There is reportedly only one known picture of the toaster, which was on the cover of Life magazine in 1990. According to eyewitness reports and notes accompanying offerings in later years, the original toaster made the annual visitation from sometime in the 1930s, though no report appeared in print until 1950, until his death in 1998, after which the tradition was passed to a son. In 2006, an unsuccessful attempt was made by several onlookers to detain and identify him. In 2010, there was no visit by the toaster, nor has he appeared any year since, triggering speculation that the 75-year tradition has ended. But wait! It seems there is a new Poe toaster. The Maryland Historical Society held auditions and selected a new, still anonymous, person to carry on the tradition. He made his first appearance on Saturday, January 17, 2016, for Baltimore's Poe Appreciation Day ceremony. A crowd of about 100 people attended, watching as a bearded figure marched up to the grave with a white scarf draped loosely across his shoulders, performing the traditional toast with cognac and leaving red roses. Leaving a violin was the new toaster's addition, and the ritual was performed in daylight rather than the dead of night. The toaster rested the violin and bow on the stone monument and recited a tribute in Latin. He yanked the cognac from his coat pocket and drank, set down the roses, nodded to Poe, and left, to be seen nevermore, at least until next year. Well, Ann, you outdid that. yourself that time. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little, uh, a little longer, but there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into the whole thing with Poe and the Poe toaster. Right. And Speaking it's all toaster, shrouded right? in mystery. Did you see? Did you see my picture on Facebook? I did. Yes, yes. I did. So you remember back in the day when Tim Tebow was really big and everybody was doing around doing the <laughs> Tebow, right? Yeah. Tebow, right. <laughs> so uh, Laura Worcester came up. We went to this graveyard, 
and uh, I dressed up in my black and everything else, and I, I took a teapot, and I put it on the grave, and I did the, the pose, so I became the tea-po-toaster. Great. I'll post that. Yes, on. there was a collective groan that just came out of the control. So we can post room. that. Yes, on, we can post that on. Uh, we'll post that on our next next generation. Page. <laughs> all right, all right. We right. promise. Yeah, we will. So that you can see. The, Ron was disappointed. I didn't include it in the cemetery. You can see me in all my glory. I apologize. So anyway, the thing with the Poe toaster is really which interesting. Which is a great story, by the way. It is. It mm -hmm. is. And I mean, supposedly it started back in the 30s. Back in the day. And. Um, this, this man would just appear in the middle of the night. He always came in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, this new Poe toaster that oh, they wait, have wait, comes wait, in the wait, daytime. Wait, so, yeah. Well, I just included that in yeah, my okay. cemetery training. Right, yeah. However, so you had this guy. No one knew who he was. Mm -hmm. uh, and no one ever saw him. In the early days, it, it wasn't even talked about until a guy had been doing it for like 20 years. Yeah, you know. And then it was finally mentioned. Was slower than. <laughs> yeah. It was finally mentioned uh, in print, mm -hmm. and then people started showing up in the middle of the night over time. Just like waiting for Santa Claus, right? Yeah, I know, right? It is. But he would he would come and he would bring the cognac and the roses. So same Three thing. Three roses and a half bottle of yep, cognac every year, and. Uh, Yes, we and have then he here. would leave. Yes, we have our roses. And cognac. We have our, our, uh, our little cognac. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, not not a fan of cognac, so I'm not going to touch it. But we put it in the glass for looks. It's for uh, ritual purposes only. <laughs> medicinal purposes only. Or uh, if we need a torch, <laughs> throw a fire. Uh, so, uh, and no one ever knew. It was the Poe toaster was never revealed. And then... Uh, he stopped, he stopped, well, he would leave little notes uh, here and there mm -hmm. and talk about different things. And it got to be, um, I think, around um, uh, 1990, and, and he left a note that said it was going to be passed to his son. And then it was continued, the tradition was continued. They still didn't know who it was. And whoever it was, supposedly the son that took over, uh, the same deal. But then around, I think it was 2009, 2012. Later. I think yeah, it was 12, 2012. 2012. Yeah, because I was a big fan of the toe poster. He stopped showing up. Poe toaster. So he stopped showing up, and everybody said, well, you know, maybe something happened, and maybe he could make it this year. But then the next year came, and he didn't show up. Mm -hmm. And then they said, perhaps the tradition has died with him. Because you've got to figure, if it started in the 30s, um, you know, it's 2016. You do, you do know he missed a couple of years. He did? No, yeah. I didn't. I didn't know he missed there a couple years. There was one years. of them he missed when the Ravens uh, Either one or lost the Super Bowl. I forget which what it, what it oh, was. Oh yeah. And they actually left a note to that because because the he left a note about the Ravens. They were the Baltimore Ravens. Yep. Yep. And Named after because after Poe, right? of Poe's story. That's but, that's where the Baltimore Ravens got their name. But okay, next Trivial Pursuit round. Remember that. Well, okay. Yeah. In, in next Trivial Pursuit round, they can say that they had Poe, but he was born in Boston and yes, actually he was. frequented. Did I say frequented? Yes. A local bar in Lowell. 
Oh, which really? I'm going to talk about if we have time. All right. Because I did an investigation there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, let's. I, we do have an interview with Jeff Jerome, who is a curator of the Edgar Allan Poe Museum in Baltimore, Maryland. Oh. And he was always the guy who stayed up all night um, on the evening of January 18th into the 19th and and waited for the Poe toaster to show up. So, so can nice. we please roll that video? They leave cookies for him. Tell me, first of all, uh, do you think that uh, this tribute is over? Well, I really don't know. Uh, I keep telling people that maybe the guy's car broke down. Maybe that's why he couldn't make it. But when you look at the date, 2009, post-bicentennial, if it was me doing it and I wanted to end it, I would end it with a bang, so to speak. 2009 makes perfect sense to me for it to end. But that's just a theory. The guy could show up 10 minutes after we're through talking here. We'll just have to wait and see who actually shows up. But my biggest fear is having 50 or 60 Poe wannabes climbing the walls, putting their own tribute on the gravesite. I tell people that if, in fact, it is over with, let it die a peaceful death. Don't start a new one. Uh, what will it mean for you if this is over? This has been... Uh... Uh, year after year for you, every uh, night of January 18th, down here at Westminster Church. <laughs> I got sidetracked. Can you ask that question? What again? will this mean for you every January 18th? You've been down here at Westminster Church. What it will mean for me is uh, I can sleep. <laughs> uh, you know, after uh, you know, th this has been uh, part of me doing this uh, since 1977. Uh, I don't know if how I would react if it is over with. Will I still be coming here every January 18th to the 19th? I don't think so. But I've always maintained that the first time he doesn't show up, I will spend the next two consecutive years just in case he does show up again. After two years and he's a no-show, I will officially declare it over with. Uh, what happens to the cognac and roses? Well, we leave the roses on the uh, Poe grave, but I collect the bottles. So you have a nice collection of bottles? Yes. Uh, people want to know, do you know who the Poe Toaster is? Well, I honestly well, don't It would be nice if you told us whether you could hear it or not. Is. We've had suspects over the years, but they've all died, <clears throat> and the tribute continues. Um, I've given up trying better? to figure out who it is, because if I discovered the identity of the person. I don't know if I could actually keep that secret. I would have to tell somebody, and the minute I would tell somebody, then the secret is gone. It's okay. no longer a mystery. So we make no attempt to identify the person, to, uh, to try to find out who it is. Uh, we want it to end as a mystery if it is over. Uh, but people people suspect that you're in cahoots with somebody, <laughs> or or that it's you. <laughs> well, you know that it's not me because I'm inside with other people, and I tell people this that if I was behind this, I, I work for the city of Baltimore, and this if I was doing this, it's fraud. 
Um, mm. I could be fired from my job that I love very much. Um, I stumbled upon this tribute uh, quite by accident, and I I will be the first to admit that I do capitalize on the publicity value of it because it gives Edgar Allan Poe international coverage. Now, I will agree, it is theatrical in nature, roses and cognac, middle of the night, uh, in, a, in a graveyard, but if that's this person's way of paying tribute to Poe, who are we to say it's odd or strange or whatever? I think it's very touching. I think it's very personal. Florida and coming back I wish it would continue. But if it's over, then seconds. it's over. Uh, one last question. Uh, last year I filmed you uh, closing up the church. And at 10 minutes to 6, you indicated that uh, he was not going to show up for the year. How did you know at 5.50 in the morning that... He was done for the year. Well, I, if I said he's not going to show up, that was probably a poor choice of words because what I should have said was he hasn't shown up yet. And since since 1977, he has never shown up after 6 o'clock in the morning. It's always been between 12 midnight and, gee, I think the, last, the latest he's shown up maybe was... 5.30 in the morning, but that was way back in the early 1980s. It's always been between 12 midnight and like 2.30, uh, that that time frame. So um, I, I just assumed that he wasn't going to show up. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. No problem. <laughs> I'm psychic. <laughs> See that? I said no problem, and he said no that's problem. That's right. I was psychic. Ron's absolutely psychic. So that's the story of I look pretty good, the huh? Poe toaster. Yes, doesn't Ron look stunning in his I'm Victorian, Victorian mutton right? chops yeah. and mustache and mustache painted on eyebrows? Oh. I think he looks like the Monopoly man. <laughs> so yeah. the Poe toaster. So I And I would like to give credit uh, for that interview because I... I Stole found it. it on YouTube, it. and that interview, that video was put up by Arbutus Patch. Arbutus Patch. So thank you, Arbutus. Um, Is that a real name? I don't know. I just wrote it down from YouTube. Okay. So I thought that was a really interesting interview, and it, you know, and like the so guy said, so professionally done too. <laughs> it's like people in public access, just like us, Ron. Yeah. You know, because we're very professional. Remind me of reading the poem. Yeah. So. That is the story of the Poe toaster and that he just, three years, I think, that they waited and he didn't show, and that when they said, it's over. Mm -hmm. It's done. The tradition is dead. But. But what? Yes, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, you know, he didn't live too far away from where he's buried, right? I understand. The Poe toaster? No, Poe. Oh, The po. real Poe. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. And it, it's very close by. And uh, yeah, his apartment is uh, whatever it is is still there. Mm -hmm. So that, that's kind of interesting too. So if you get down to Baltimore, check it out. Yep. But it looks like we have a, uh, a question from the chat room. Oh, we do. Uh, John has asked us, "What is your favorite Edgar Allan Poe story?" Ah. What's yours? The Telltale Heart. Just like the beginning thump, of the show it goes. Thump, boom, thump, boom, thump, boom, boom, right? Boom. Right. Mm -hmm. Under the floors. Under the floors. Yeah. Um, I would have to say mine is the murders in the Rue Morgue. Ooh. So uh, there's so many, many good ones. Poe Poe was a pioneer and unfortunately not recognized in his time. 
as is true of so many artists. Mm -hmm. And he struggled. He was poor. Mm -hmm. um, he had a little bit married of... His, huh? Married his cousin. He married his 13-year-old cousin. Mm -hmm. um, he said she was 21. <laughs> I know, my, my crew is now appalled. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, they did that in the day. Um, yeah, back in the day, you only lived to be 20 anyway. But, um, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was a rough time, you know, and... Yeah. So he was never really recognized for these stories. He was a pioneer. He created, um, you know, the detective novel, mm -hmm. the murder mystery, yeah. and science fiction. Uh, he, but at that time, people frowned upon him. He wasn't in the accepted circle. But he was um, a handsome man. Oh, God. They keep saying, uh, oh, he was so handsome. He was so handsome. I, I'm sorry. I see his picture. I'm kind of like, um, if you say not so. Not your cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. No, uh, he's not. A glass of brandy. But, um, so we, we do have one more video to play. Oh, we do. Um, about the new Poe Toaster. Oh, do we really? Wanna, do we want to play that now? Yeah, because it would fit in with the other one. Um, so, uh, yeah, why don't we play so, that? Let's roll the video. I think that's our last video anyway, right? Uh, yes, right. Except for the Except news. Except for power news. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead, play that new poster. New, new toaster. New toast, toaster. Toaster.
We're back. Well, first thing we want to do is apologize yes, to sorry. all our listeners because we and just realized that there was no commentary. So all you guys heard was the wind blowing across the microphone. Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm sorry. Sorry oops. about that, folks. Oops. So uh, I'll try and fix Her that. Bad. Her I'll bad. try and fix that. How can you fix it? <laughs> I don't know. It's too late. You can't. It's too but late. at any rate, um, the, 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 the video just showed the new Poe toaster who played the violin as he marched up to Poe's uh, grave, yep. and he laid down the roses, he said something in Latin, pulled the cognac out of his pocket, drank, and then left it on the grave and walked walked off with the violin. You know, I was so. thinking, in 2012, when he stopped coming, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe he, became, he did stop coming because he realized that because we live in such electronic society now, that he would be caught. Maybe. You know, everybody's got camera phones. Everybody's got, mm-hmm. you know, video things, drones, into, everything. In, you know? And I, I sent him my cemetery tripping earlier. I know we didn't hear it here in the studio. In 2006, somebody tried to detain whoever the Poe Toaster was. I hope they, he gave they, a good wallop. Yeah, I don't know. And uh, they were unable to detain him and ascertain who he, just he was. Because he disappeared. So... Um, yeah, maybe uh, maybe he did get to a point where he was like, yeah, you know what, I'm done with this. But uh, it was a life of, of dedication, I'll tell you. Yeah, so. and I mean, there's, there's so much mystery about his death, too. Mm-hmm. Poe's death. Well, first, first, can we talk about Poe's early life? I wasn't going to, but that's fine. Oh, well, I've done a lot of research. So, fine. you know, I have to show Do off it. a little bit of it. Show so, off your brains. So Study your blonde. Poe, oh. That's not nice. That's sweet. That I'm not blonde? What did you say? No, I thought you said continue. show them that you're blonde? No, no, no. I said show off your brains, not your blonde. Oh, okay. All right. Which means you're not just oh, another pretty you. face. Oh, not face. Oh, my God. Uh, so, anyways, so Poe. Poe was born um, yes. <laughs> a Poe boy. I'm sorry. He, he, was, was, he was a Poe sure boy. sure he was born. You know, he, he was born to um, his parents mother were actors. Mother and father, more than likely. A mother and father. His parents were actors. And they traveled around in the theater troupe. He was born in Boston. And uh, about the time that he was two years old, his, the theater troupe was down uh, in the, uh, in the uh, Baltimore area and performing. And the father ran off and disappeared. They don't know whatever became of him, whether he died, whether he just ran off and disappeared. Uh, and the mother was left with three children. She had little Edgar, who was two, and a baby sister, and an older brother, Henry. So, and then, and then what happened? Mom got tuberculosis and died. So, by age two... Oh, isn't that tricky? I know. Everybody had tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. I, there's, there's so many people in Poe's life, so many women especially, that died of tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of rampant at that time. So, here, so the mother dies... He ends up with... Um, he had a hard life, really. He had a very hard life. Um, no wonder he drank. So he ended up with basically a benefactor who was no blood relation to him. Um, so uh, the Allens uh, brought him in, and uh, Franny, Fanny, Francis was her full name, but Fanny, and uh, John Allen. And he was suddenly kind of in the lap of luxury, uh, they had a lot of money. They traveled to London. They sent him to the best schools. 
uh, came back to America, and I guess they, in, the father inherited a lot of money uh, and became a millionaire. Uh, sent little Edward off to school again, um, and he became very interested in writing and writing uh, in the Gothic style. He picked that up in, in when they were in England. Of course. And uh, wrote a lot of poems to girls. Very, very interested in girls. And um, he also fell in love with his best friend's mother. Mm-hmm. And the poem to Helen um, is actually um, supposedly written for her. Oh, wow. And he was 15 <laughs> at yeah. the time. So um, he also fell in love with, um, you know, the little girl next door when he was 16 and she was 15. And... Uh, her father did not approve. So when Edgar went off to college, the father intercepted all his letters, and she never got them. So she thought he just forgot about her mm-hmm. and uh, married somebody else. There you go. So, uh, and it was a constant battle with he and his, his father, but he was never formally adopted uh, by, by the Allens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even though the father was a millionaire, he wouldn't give him any money. So at school he was gambling and he was gambling badly and he never had any money and he couldn't afford his books so he finally had to give up college. And uh, so then he uh, he came back home because the the mother died, Fanny died of tuberculosis. Fanny, oh no singing, no singing. So. You know, he and the the father reconciled for a while, but after you know, after another attempt to go back to college, and the guy still wouldn't give him any money, Edgar was like, "I'm done with you. I'm done with you. My girl married somebody else. I'm out of here." And uh, he took off, went to live with poor relations, uh, which was his his uh, birth father's. And I I don't know. If the father took off, how he would have found these relatives? But they were poor relations. Ancestry.com. <laughs> yeah. And he ended up living with his aunt and his cousin, who uh, who he married, the, the one who was 13. And uh, so that, but, he, you know, his life was, and then she died of tuberculosis about the time that she was 24. So Actually, they died the same, they died the same age. Did you know that? Who died at the same age? She did, and then the other, whoever died of tuberculosis before also died. Oh, the mother. Yeah, also died. Yes, his mother had also died of tuberculosis at at 24. 24. So he has a lot of, that's, you know, Poe has a lot of things about uh, women dying, being murdered, um, being being bricked up in the wall, being, you know, Mm boarded under the floor, so he he was very obsessed um, with certain women, and uh, when uh, when his wife died, uh, he really hit the bottle and started drinking, and I actually... Have his bottle here? <laughs> I don't have his bottle here, but he... Um, I just wanted to read this real quick. Um, Virginia was his wife. I think mm-hmm. we have time. Uh, so he drank to escape life, and when, when he drank, he became crazy. He became belligerent and enraged and out of control, and he lost jobs, and uh, he never drank for pleasure. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
he said, I have absolutely no pleasure in the stimulants in which I sometimes so madly indulge. It has not been in the pursuit of pleasure that I have periled life and reputation and reason. It has been the desperate attempt to escape from torturing memories, a sense of insupportable loneliness, a dread of some strange impending doom. Oh. I know. Well, you know, he's a writer. He's very dramatic. And the thing is, you write about what you know, and he, he suffered he so much and had so many loves. That's what he wrote about. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, they combined the two, the darkness. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. there's a lot of, and of course, his, his death is so shrouded in mystery. Yes. Mm. Yes. Shall we talk about that now, or yeah. do we oh, want yeah. to do the power news and then talk about it? Oh, we have power news? We have power news. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll do power news, and then we'll, there you go. We'll come back. How about we'll the power back. news? If we have enough time. We do. Okay. Westminster Cemetery, where Edgar Allan Poe was buried next to his wife and mother-in-law. And his grandfather, David Poe Sr., is also buried here. He's the original owner of this land. And um, people have reported seeing um, ghosts. Some have been touched. Some people have cap captured EVPs. And the church, um, to my right, is... Um, covered the cemetery, was built on the cemetery, and actually preserved it from being um, relocated. And let's go to the house where Edgar Allan Poe actually stayed from 1833 to 1835. Let's see if we can see the spirit that haunts that house. Of course, that was uh, Nathan uh, Mayer. Yes, in the field. In the field. In the field, field on the job. For us. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and he did. Well, Thank you, you couldn't Nathan. hear at the very end. We saw our Poe's house. Yes. So uh, if you're watching this on video, if you haven't, go to the ebctv.org site uh, in a few days. That's and it'll right. be up and you'll be able to okay. see it as well. Yes. yes. But his death, as we were saying, was is very much shrouded in mystery. Absolutely. They... Um, they found Ed Edward, uh, excuse me, Edgar. Edgar. They found Did Edgar. You call him Edward. I know, uh, on the street, uh, in clothes that were not his and clearly were not his, um, and he was very much in need of hospitalization. And they brought him uh, to a hospital uh, where he died four days later. But they have no idea he had been traveling. Um, he uh, had been back and forth on the train. He didn't know where his trunk was. Yeah. There were actually ended up with two trunks. There was one that uh, 
was at his cousin's house and then another one. But the, he didn't absolutely know where any of them were. No, yeah. no, he was he was incoherent. He couldn't tell anybody what had happened to him. So they, I mean, they basically just found him on the street like this, and they have no idea how he got there. He wasn't even supposed to be in that area, mm-hmm. and uh, so there's a number of theories. Mm-hmm. And he did have an alcohol problem, um, as his father had, as his older brother, his older brother had an alcoholic pro- alcohol problem, and he also died of uh, um, tuberculosis. Um, so it could could it have been the alcohol? They, the, you know, one theory is that he met up, went into a, a bar while he was waiting for a boat, and. Uh, you know, met up with people and he started drinking and he didn't drink for pleasure as he said. When he drank, he just got drunk. And that was it. And he was out of control. And then so that could be the reason, but that doesn't explain why he wasn't wearing his own clothes. I mean he could have been mugged. They said he could have been mugged and someone took his his nice wool suit that he was wearing and his shoes. He didn't even have his own shoes on. So um, that's one theory. Mm-hmm. And then another theory is that he um, had some kind of disease. He had been very ill when his wife had the tuberculosis. Um, he had been very ill himself. I it never really did say what he was ill with, um, but they said something in the things that I have read is that he, they thought he had lesions on the brain, um, rabies was suggested. Oh yeah, I read that one. All kinds of different diseases. That Do you know his before had. he left for uh, Baltimore? His doctor recommended he didn't take the trip. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, when he left, he took the doctor's cane, cane which was a sword. sword. Right. He mistook it for his cane, mm-hmm. and he. You know, the doctor said, "I, you know, I later I don't even think he knew that it was actually a weapon." You know, because you could pull the sword out of the, yeah. So you know, here's someone maybe assaulting him on the street, and he had no idea he could have defended himself. And then now there's a, another theory mm-hmm. that uh, it was cooping. 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 At that time. Is that like phrasing hazing? No, <laughs> no. Um, well, maybe in a way, but. Cooping, at that time, the Whig Party was very uh, violent and ruthless. Um, at at polls, they, you know, when people, they did, they had gangs. And polls were in bars. <laughs> they were in taverns. So um, very often when you went to vote, you would be rewarded with a drink. Uh, so they thought he could have been a victim of cooping where a gang abducted him not knowing who he was, and beat him and got him, you know, intoxicated and forced him to go to, you could go then, there was no identification, so you could go from poll to poll to poll right. and vote, vote often. And vote often, mm-hmm. vote early and often, and no one would know. So this, and then they just left him to die. And that was a very popular theory. So uh, the world will never know. The world will never know that he met that sad fate, and uh, unfortunately, you know, not appreciated, or maybe even, you know, truly missed mm-hmm. until, you know, 
20, 30 years later. So that's, that's the sad story. And you know, it's interesting too, when he was buried, they had a beautiful stone picked out for him. Mm-hmm. And then a train went off the track and went into the stone cutter's thing and destroyed the stone. Yes, and I heard that. it wasn't until they raised money to get him a new stone mm-hmm. years and years later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And then, as the, and we heard this in the cemetery tripping earlier, I know you didn't hear it, but uh, they moved him, exhumed his body, and when they raised even more money to put this big grand monument yep. um, at the front of the cemetery and moved him up there. So. And people collected pieces of hair from him Ugh. and pieces of the original coffin that was, was, and they kept them as souvenirs. Ew, yuck. It's true. Yeah. Well, yeah there's very, some of them in the museum. Very that macabre had. practices back then. So. And his, there were only seven people at his funeral. Oh, yeah. They said it was a very sad funeral. In fact, the person that gave the eulogy was his enemy. <gasps> yes, yes. The, the, the man that he put in charge, basically as his executor, um, uh, resented him because of bad reviews, because Poe did uh, reviews in the newspaper, um, and basically ruined his reputation after he died. Nice, nice. So did you want to do your poem? Because well, I think I, we need to. We, see, we have to see how much time we have left. How much we, time do we, we have? We have a time counter? Five now? minutes. We have five minutes. I think we should do it then. All right. All right. Find your poem. So first of all, we have to give you the roses. Aww. <laughs> All right. Cut them? Cut them, yep. Okay, so you have to Aww, hold the roses. Oh, I get the roses. I'd like to put you in a coffin, but I can't oh, right thanks. now. Because that's... You're so sweet. That's important, and i got to wet the palate. Oh, man. Oh. Ouch. This one's real. It has thorns. <laughs> yeah, it's from me. Can't you tell? It's from Ron. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, read it up there, baby. So we set for this, right? So Edgar Allan Rowe... Wrote. Edgar Allan Poe wrote a lot of poems, and one of them he wrote was called For Annie. Aww. So I thought it would be apropos to do For Annie here. Does someone die? <laughs> Does Annie die? Annie died. <laughs> so dies. you're the closest thing I, I have to Miss Stiff. So <laughs> are you set? I'm ready. Read. Okay, here we go. Thank heaven the crisis, the danger is past, the lingering illness is over at last. The fever called living is conquered at last. Sadly, I know I shone of my strength. No muscle I move as I lie full length. No matter I feel, I am better at length. And I rest so composedly now in my bed that any beholder might fancy me dead, might start be at beholding and thinking me dead. The moaning, the groaning, sighing and sobbing I quieted now with horrible throbbing at heart. Ah, that horrible, horrible throbbing. The sickness, the nausea, the pitless pain have ceased with the fever that maddened my brain. With fever called living that burned my brain. And oh, all the tortures that torture the worst has abated the terrible torture of thirst for the Napoline river of passion accursed. I drank of the water that quenches all thirst, of water that flows with lullaby sound from a spring but very few feet underground, the cavern not very far down underground. And ah, let it be never foolishly said 
that my room is gloomy and narrow my bed. For a man never slept in a different bed, and to sleep you must slumber, not just such a bed. My tantalizing spirit, her here blatantly reposes, forgetting or never regretting the roses. It's old agitations of myrtles and roses. Myrtles? Whatever. And now why, while I, I don't like this going downhill now. And now while so quietly lying it fancies holier odor, uh, odor about it of pansies. I'm gone. A rosary odor commingled with pansies. The ruin, the beautiful, puriting pansies. And so it lies happily bathing many a dream of the truth and the beauty of Annie. Drowned in the bath of tresses of Annie. Drowned in the bath? Her tenderly kissed me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She fondly caressed. And then I felt gently to sleep on her breast. Deeply to sleep from heaven on her breast. I didn't make it up. Uh, (laughs) With the light was extinguished. She covered me warm with the prayer of the angels to keep me from harm. To the queen of the angels, she shielded me from harm. And I lie so composedly now in my bed, knowing her love that fancied me dead. And I rest so contently now in my bed with her love at my breast that fancied me dead. That you shuddered to look at me thinking me dead. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.